to get him one of those lapel mocks there, James. Hook him up. Got, yeah, we got one. Don't we? All right, if you got your Bibles, uh, turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Appreciate everybody kind of rolling out this morning. It's a little different. Uh, I'll talk more about that after the, the service. But I appreciate everybody being flexible and, and being here a little bit early this morning. Uh, for this, I, I will ask you, if you will, uh, to, to be in prayer for something. Um, I have, Lord's laid uh, Brother Jason Cornett on my heart to uh, preach revival. And uh, when I asked him about it, first thing he said, now, is that Keith's church? <laughs> he said, I said, yes, it's Keith's church. He had nothing to say about Travis. I don't know if there's some bad bad blood there between the insurance salesman or what. But anyway, so I, I've asked him to pray about it, and uh, it would be sometime in October. So just, uh, if you will, just join me in prayer for that, too, and, and him. Just make sure the Lord's leading on that. I, I can't shake him. I've prayed about it, and, and the Lord just has just laid him there for us. So uh, I believe it would, be, it would be great if he will, uh, if the Lord will allow him to be here. All right, Hebrews chapter 10 is where we'll be today. Now, this was years ago, ABC, the, the, the news channel, ABC, or the, the, the uh, TV show. Yeah, I'll get out here in a minute. TV station, ABC. Um, they used to do this thing called Wide World Sports, ABC Wide World Sports, and that was, um, it was, it was very interesting if you ever got to watch it because it was wide world of sports. They went all around the world and they would, they would show you different sports that took place around the world. And there's things that, that you get to watch that you didn't get to see here in America. I mean, things like cricket and, um, Man, I can't remember some of the ones I, I'd seen, but anyway. But they had this, this uh, introduction. So when the show would come on, this is what it would say. Spanning the globe to bring you constant variety of sport, the thrill of victory, and the agony of defeat, the human drama of athletic competition, this is ABC's Wide World of Sports. So I was thinking about that, and actually I'd, I'd done some YouTube on, on that when I, I pulled up YouTube and listened to that a few times, and the reason I did it was because of this. They said something right here that, that sparked it, uh, this message with me. It said, the thrill of victory, and it also says in the agony of defeat. How many of y'all sign up to do something to lose? No, nobody signs up to lose. You don't. When you sign up to do something, if you're wanting to, to, to play golf, and you're in this golf tournament. Do you go into a golf tournament with the exception or with the expectation to lose? I do because I stink at golf. But other than I don't keep score; it's so bad. But when you sign up, you expect to win or at least place high. I was thinking about James. I know he didn't get to run the bear this year, but you know you don't expect to finish last, but you expect to finish somewhere in you know in the top hundred or two. That would be me. I'd be lucky to finish. But we sign up to win we sign up to win we give it our all we don't want to fail we don't want to be a failure we don't like losing i cannot stand losing when abby last year playing softball we had i mean highs and lows playing softball this year it was a it was a difficult year we lost all the seniors and uh, the girls are finally towards the end finally getting their groove and it was fun to watch but I, I, it pained me to sit up in the booth and 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 watch them lose because they didn't go on that field to lose. That was not their mindset. They didn't say, all right, team, lose on three. One, two, three, lose. That's not how we do it. On three, win. We're going to win this thing. We're in it to win it, as they say. So if you're going to do something, why not do it to win? 
Give it all you've got. Why not do it so that you are the best at what you're doing? Prove yourself to yourself. Not, I, I don't go into things to prove myself to others. I want to prove to myself that I can be the best that I think I can be, that I can feel that I can be. I want to be the best that's in me. Give it all that I've got. Give it 110%. Lay it, like they say, leave it on the field. Give it all you got and leave it on the field. So that's what, that's what we want to do. As a Christian, we need to give it all we've got. As a Christian, go at it 110%. As a Christian, you go before this world and you give 110% for Jesus. Not for yourself, but for Jesus. Give it all you've got. Why would you want to settle for, for just competing? Or why would you want to settle for just to be part of a team? I don't want to be just part of a team. I'm part of God's team, and I want to be a, an asset to his team. I want to be an asset to the church. I want to be a winner for him and give him all that I can and show the world what he can do for them and what he has done for me. Why would you want to settle for just getting by? I don't like just just getting by. I, I want to give it my all, give it my best, not just barely cross the finish line. I want to cross the finish line as far ahead of the pack as possible. I don't just want to finish around the golf or just barely make it through the ninth inning of a ball game or the end of the fourth quarter of a football game. I ain't going to talk about soccer because that ain't a real sport. I don't like soccer. We've got to give it our all when we get out there on the field. Give it everything that we got. The honor comes from losing, don't it? No, the honor comes from winning. That's for you. That's where that pride. I didn't watch the Olympics this year. I kind of boycotted them. But in the past, when I've watched the Olympics, to see, especially the Americans, but all, all countries that were represented, to see them up there at that podium, and you had, you know, you got first places up here higher, and then second, and then third over here, to see the honor and to see the pride on their faces as they stood there with their medal. And with their country's flag, that's where the honor was in that win. They gave it all. If we could give it all to God, just do everything in our power to God, just like these athletes in the Olympics have done for their country, can you imagine what kind of world we would live in, what kind of churches we would have, the number of salvations that we would see if we would give it our all like these athletes are giving it their all? Now, the honor, again, it comes from striving to be our best. Now, looking at, at, at this over in Hebrews, and we're going to be look, we'll read it here in just a moment, but looking at this period that we're going to be talking about in, in Hebrews here, the Israelites lived under a, a sacrificial um, system. We'll call it that, sacrificial system. Priests, back in those days, they had come and they had gone. You know, that's what happens. Preachers, they come and go. Preachers will, and when I say that, not just coming and going as in, Coming into the church and going out of the church, I'm saying they live and die. The, the priests were doing the same thing. They were coming through, and then they would pass away, and more priests would come in to take their place. They were all about the same, though. So that was the difference between the priests back then and the preachers now. Back then, they were very monotone. That's the way I see them. They're very monotone. They probably said the same thing. If you've ever been around Jews especially, uh, they, they kind of sound the same, not the fact that they talk out of their nose but they they sound the same 
and they say the same things. They're very strict. They're by the, by the book, by the law when they talk. And so when one would go away, another one would fill in, and you really couldn't tell a difference. Now, that's back then. Now, here days, uh, preachers are different. Uh, yesterday, I had the honor of being at my home church, and uh, they did a, uh, a, a building dedication. They built a new fellowship hall. It's not really a hall. It's a shelter. But it's, it's, I mean, it's gorgeous, something that we've needed for so long. And we had the Joy Airs there, and they sung a while, and there's a bunch of us preachers there, and we all got to get up and speak for a little bit. But it was a church-building dedication, but it was also the end of the two-month-long celebration that they've had for Preacher A for being the pastor, or being the preacher for 50 years, being in the ministry 50 years. And as I sat there yesterday, and, and I, I sat on, I actually sat on the front row. I sat on the front, I don't always sit on the front row. It, Conley's the reason I sit on the front row here, but typically I'm in the back. I would, I'd be hiding behind VJ if, it, if I had my way about it. But I sat on the front, and all the preachers were up here. We was all sitting there. And this is what dawned on me, because I'd been studying this. i have been thinking about these priests and how they were all the same. Every one of us got up and said something different. Every one of us got up, and we sounded different. Every one of us, when we go to church on Sunday mornings or whenever we're preaching, we all sound different. Some of them guys can get their foot up over their head, and they can scream and shout and jump pews and, and run laps around pulpit. And then you got me. I just kind of wander around, and I'm pretty soft-spoken. And then you got those in between. We're all different. We're all different. Back then, they were all cookie-cut. Day in, day out, they went through the motions of doing their duties, but never really, they never really accomplished anything because it was a broken record. Everyone heard the same thing over and over and over. And I know I sound like a broken record sometimes. There's things I'll bring up that I, it's like beating a dead horse sometimes. But it's something the Lord's laid on my heart, and I just feel like we ought to talk about it as much as we can. If it glorifies Him, we're going to talk about it. And then they had the sacrifices that they, they offered. They never could take away the sins that the, the sacrifice was offered for. They would present them to God. They would present the sacrifices to cover their sin, but there never was one sacrifice that was good enough. Amen. There was never a lamb that was just perfect. There was never a calf that was just perfect enough to take away the sins of the world or mankind. So these priests, day in, day out, done the same thing. They prayed, they preached or read or whatever they'd done. They'd done their sacrifices, but nothing was ever good enough. Nothing was ever good enough. And then came Jesus. Here comes Jesus on the scene, Amen. leaving the comforts of heaven, the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice, the last sacrifice, what we needed. God knew that. He knew what we needed. He knew from the beginning of time. He knew when Eve took a bite out of that fruit. Boys, we're in for it. We're going to have to have a sacrifice. He knew. Jesus knew. Here he comes. And Jesus is different. He came to earth to be the high priest. That's what the Bible tells us. That he came here to be with us, to be the high priest. And he wasn't going to be like the other priests. Jesus wasn't coming down here to be like the, the cookie cut priest that we had that, that everybody was used to. He wasn't coming to preach the same message that the others had preached for all those years. He wasn't coming to perform the sacrifices that these priests had performed for all these years. He came to preach a gospel. He came to preach about salvation. He came to preach about the Father and to tell everyone else about himself and what he was here to do for us. 
He came to be that sacrifice, not to offer a sacrifice. He offered himself as the sacrifice. He didn't say, let's run up to Bethlehem. This, uh, this little place where I was born, up the road here, we got some of the best sheep in the world, best lambs in the world come out of this place. Let's run up there and grab one. I'll show you boys how to do the last sacrifice. That wasn't what he said. He was here for us. He was that sacrifice for us. He didn't say, I know where there's the best sheep in the world. He said, I am the best lamb in the world. I am the best of the best. I am the best sacrifice, the only sacrifice that you will ever need. He set himself apart from the other priests. He came to win us back to the Father, and praise God, he did it. He did it. Thirty-three and a half years that he tarried here on earth. Three years of ministry that we know about here on earth where he and the disciples went and they preached and they healed and they performed these miracles. He'd done so much. And then he saved us. And then he saved us. He performed so many miracles. He preached to so many people. So many people followed him. And then he died for us. He won us back to the Father. Now the evidence that he won is that he is now seated on the right hand of the Father. That's the evidence. There's, also, there's a little more evidence out there. You know how I know he won? Because I won. You know how I know he won? Because some of you won. Through salvation. I know he won. If it wasn't for him dying on the cross for me, if it wasn't for him dying on the cross for you, we'd have never felt that call, that pull from the Holy Spirit. We'd have never been drawn by the Holy Spirit to salvation. That's how I know he won. And then the Bible tells us that after he was here, after the resurrection, he was here on earth for a little bit longer, and then he ascended up. The Bible says that he's on the right hand of the Father now. That's how I know he won. He conquered everything that he come to conquer. He came and he won this battle. He defeated the devil. He just, the devil just thought he, he won whenever Jesus died on that cross. Everybody up there celebrating, the demons down in hell rejoicing that they thought Jesus had died, that it was over with, Messiah's gone. Boy, I bet I can only imagine three days later how they felt. But I'm glad that Jesus knows what it means to win. And he doesn't settle for anything less than the best. He does not settle for anything less than the best. We are to be the best of the best. I don't. Does every journal do that, best of the best up here? Yeah, because we got it. Chestnutdale got it a few years ago. Best of the best when it comes to churches. I know we talk Democrat does it as well. And I think about that. I know why they do it, because they want us to put an ad in the paper. They want to, they want to be advertising. Uh, they, want, they want us to, to say, here's Chestnutdale. They won best of the best. And here's their preacher. Might want to think twice about that one. But they said, if you'll give us a little money, we'll put a big old spread in here for you, and maybe you'll get more people come to church. Best of the best. We need to advertise ourselves as best of the best. Not for the Avery Journal or Watauga Democrat, but for God. The best of the best is right here. As Christians, we ought to look at ourselves as the best of the best. Cream of the crop. We are the ones that God has called. He has called us to minister. He's called us to make disciples. He's called us to love our neighbor. He's called us to be a witness. He's called us to do so much stuff. And there's so much talent. And there's so much love inside this church. And not just these, this, these church walls, but the other church walls. 
He's called the Christians. I'm not talking about just Chestnut, though. He has called the Christians to step up and show the world that we are the best of the best. We are the ones that can bring this world back together. It is the church, and it is the church's responsibility. We are to love thy neighbor, and if we can show the world what loving thy neighbor looks like, can you imagine the kind of world that we'd live in? It'd be a great world. God's desire is for his people to not settle to be the less, to be the least. I'm sorry. Not to be bottom rung, not to be the bottom of the barrel, but to be the best. But unfortunately, too many Christians are less than best that they can be, and, and God's not pleased. God's not pleased with us right now because we're just barely scraping by. We're just, just got our heads just above water. We do just enough for him to where we feel like we're just getting by. You might say a prayer here and there during the week, but just to get by. His church doesn't need more mediocre Christians filling pews. He does not want that. He doesn't want lukewarm Christians. He wants us on fire. That's what, that's what he's called us to be. Don't be a cold Christian. Don't be an indifferent Christian. Don't be a lukewarm Christian. Don't be a mediocre, medi, mediocre Christian. Be on fire for God and give him the best that you can give. So the question this morning before we read, why do we have to strive to be the best Christian we can be? Why do we strive? Why should we strive to be the best Christian that we can be. I'm going to give you four answers for that here in just a second. If you've got your Bible, stand with me just a moment. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. <laughs> the Bible says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft-times the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I love that part. Verse 18, last one says, Now, where remission of the, these is, there is no more offering for sin. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you this morning for that sacrifice. Lord, God, we thank you for forgiving us. God, I'm very thankful this morning that you forget those sins once we ask for forgiveness god i thank you for not remembering that not throwing it back in our face and lord this morning as uh, we prepare for this message as we prepare our hearts lord i pray that each one of us has put aside the 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 things of this world that may hinder us god i pray that this morning we have prepared our hearts through prayer lord asking for forgiveness of the sins that we may have committed against you and that we have committed against others lord that we've come in here with a pure clean heart ready to worship Lord, as we say, sin-filled heart will hinder that worship. So, Lord, I pray today that we have cleaned up and we're ready to go. We are ready to, to witness. We are ready, ready this morning, God, to 
to receive your word. We're ready to preach the gospel when we leave this place. God, for those that are continuing to travel, Lord, I pray that you'd be with them. For those that we know that are sick, Lord, I pray, God, that you would uh, continue to heal and just let your presence be known in their families, in their lives, in the hospitals, or wherever they're at. God, I pray again this morning that you just be with us in the service, and I pray, God, that you just bless each one that's here this morning for their time and their effort. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. That's not good. He ain't 10 months old, and Mom's already taking him out. Wear him out. James, you got the cameras on? <laughs> First thing we're going to look at this morning on, on this message right here is Jesus' sacrifice demands the best from us. Jesus' sacrifice demands the best. The sacrifice on the cross. And we can take that a step further if you'd like to. It wasn't just sacrifice on the cross, but the sacrifice of leaving heaven. The sacrifice of humility, where they humiliated this man. Where they plucked his beard and scourged him and, and they beat him and they gave him the false trial. All that Jesus went through, those sacrifices as well. Not just what's on the cross, what he did for us on the cross. Jesus didn't offer just a finger, did he? Jesus didn't offer my hand, did he? Jesus didn't offer an arm. He didn't offer a foot or a leg. Jesus offered himself. Holy. He offered his whole body. He offered himself for each one of us. He offered his whole life. Over in Hebrews 9, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by, listen to this, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, Listen, there must also a necessity be the death of the tester. He offered his whole complete body, not a part of his body, not a lock of his hair, not a piece of his clothing. He offered his entire body. Now, you remember on the cross, the pictures we see, Jesus hanging on the cross, and he's got a, uh, usually got something wrapped around him, around his waist. It's because we can't put pictures of, a naked man in most places. But he was naked when he was killed. They stripped him of his garments, if you remember that. They stripped him of his raiment. He had what the world thought. He had nothing left to offer. The man didn't have anything anyway. Didn't have a place to lay his head. Nothing. No property. No nothing. And so the world thought, well, he ain't got nothing. When he's gone, he's gone. But he had everything. He was everything, and he still is everything to each one of us. He offered himself completely on that cross. To me, that means it demands the best of each one of us. Because of the sacrifice on the cross, that demands the best of the Christians. That demands the best out of each one of us. We should strive, we should try to... to 
100, give 110, 120, 150%. We should try to give our best every opportunity that we get because of the sacrifice on the cross. Jesus didn't offer to help me because he just happened by and, and he saw me in distress. He wasn't just walking down Highway 421 there at the intersection of 321, October 26, 1996. He wasn't just walking by Willowdale Baptist Church and said, huh, that little fella right there, he, he needs a hand. Jesus didn't look down there at me as I was struggling in a pew, shivered and shaking and under conviction and say, well, if I help him today, he'll help me tomorrow. That's not how Jesus works. I was under conviction because he knew I needed a Savior. I knew I needed a Savior. I was under conviction because I knew I was lost. And Jesus said, I can help you with that. I'll give you a way. Philippians 2.7 says that he left the riches of heaven and made himself of no reputation so that he could rescue you. So that he could rescue me. He left heaven. You know, there's, there's sometimes you just don't want to leave home. You ever notice that? There's just times that you just don't, you just like where you're at. You just don't want to go nowhere else. There's been times that we could have took a vacation or I had some vacation days that I'd burned and we could have done something. I just want to stay home. I like home. I don't want to go nowhere. Home for me and Vilas ain't much. And then I get to thinking about Jesus, and he left heaven. We don't know all about heaven. We don't know what heaven is going to look like exactly. We don't know what the throne of God looks like. We don't know the seat that Jesus sat in beside the Father. We don't know those things. But we know just enough to know that I'd never want to leave that place again. But yet Jesus said, I got to go. I got to go. The father said, I need you to go. And I'm thinking Jesus is like, I got to go. They need me. They need help. It says that he made himself of no reputation so that he could rescue me. He could rescue you. Where he came from and what he became demands that I become the best Christian possible. It demands. It's, it's not optional. It's not. It, it demands. It's almost a charge to the Christian to give your all, to be your best. Jesus had all the benefits, all the benefits of being God for eternity, all the benefits. And I wish I got here a little bit earlier and I'd have got this stuff out, but this is what I dreamed about last night. I could picture my Jesus up there in heaven, robed in white, and he stands up, and he peels off his robe, and he lays it down in his chair, his throne, and he pops that crown off, he lays it on top of that robe, and then here he is on earth, and he puts on what I can only imagine is a tater sack, probably not very comfortable, whatever he's wearing, probably not very comfortable, and he slaps on some some of those Jerusalem cruisers or Air Moses, whatever you want to call them, sandals. He's wearing his sandals and just an old robe. Can you imagine 
a king? Can you imagine a king derobing, dethroning, decrowning, giving up his kingship to come down here and be a servant? Don't make a lick of sense to me, does it? You? But he did, out of love. He did that for each one of us. He gave it all up to come to earth. He gave it all to come down here. God didn't search and try to find the perfect one because he knew all along who the perfect one was going to be, his son, Jesus Christ. So don't you think that his sacrifice demands that we become the best? I believe so. Secondly, Jesus' victory over his enemies demands the best from us. That victory, he stomped them. He whooped them. That's what he did. He whooped them big time. Verse 13 and 14 tells us, From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. If there is someone who goes ahead and clears the path for, for you, don't you think that you owe them your best? Don't you think if somebody blazes a trail, clears it out, makes easy access, that you owe them your best? Give them the best that you have to offer. I can't think of the best way to put it where everybody understand it, but if you've ever been bear hunting or coon hunting, or probably rabbit hunting too, it's awful nice if there's a trail for you to go down and get to your dogs or get to the bear. But what happens, Gideon? Nine times out of ten, you've got to crawl on your hands and knees and you've got to go under the laurels and through the briars. And, and it, it, it's, sometimes it's rough. Sometimes you wonder, should I even be here? But then there's, there's those, those days where somebody has come through and they've cut a logging road or they've cut a four-wheeler trail out and they've made it easy for you. And that's what Jesus did for us. Amen. Jesus came through. Again, he came down out of heaven to be here with us. And he made a way for each one of us. He made a way. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to offer up sacrifices daily or weekly or monthly or yearly. We don't have to do that anymore. Because Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross made that way for us. Through the blood, he made a way for us to get to heaven. He done it. Jesus has defeated his enemies, so they can't overcome me. Can they make it hard on me? Amen to that. His devil can make it hard on me. He makes it hard on y'all. We're not exempt from it, but they can't overcome us because Jesus overcome them. He whooped them. The Bible tells us that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he, that's a capital H, by the way. He that is in me. That's the Holy Spirit. That's great. That's great. That deserves the best. If someone is willing to even the score with your enemies so that you don't have to, don't you think that person deserves the best? And that's what Jesus did. He even the score, and we don't have to deal with it now. We don't have to try. To, we need to try, but we don't have to, to be perfect. Because Jesus was perfect, and he defeated the enemies. He evened the score. 
So we don't have to try to figure out a way to get back at the devil. We don't have to try to figure out a way to get to heaven because he already figured that out for us. He did all the work. Don't you believe that that deserves the best of us for what he done? Thirdly, Jesus' personal relationship with us demands the best from us. His personal relationship. It ain't just a relationship. You can have a relationship with a friend, but you might not talk to that friend, but you know, once every couple years or something like that. You're not always in constant contact with them. With Jesus, we have a personal relationship with him, which means it's one-on-one, and it's always there. We're always talking to him. We're always in communication with him. We're always walking and talking with him. We're always with him. It's that personal. And the longer you walk with him, the longer you talk with him, the more you pray to him, the more conversation that you have with him, the closer that you're going to get in that relationship. It is personal. It is a personal relationship with Jesus. Verse 16 says that this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. When the Israelites camped out at Mount Sinai, Moses went up the mountain to meet with God, didn't he? It was just Moses and God. All them fellers stayed down there at the foot of the mountain. Nobody went up there. There was separation between God and man. Separation between God and man. And then you go and you look at the temple. What do we have in the temple? The Holy of Holies. Who went in the temple? The priest. Once a year to make that sacrifice for all of us, for all the people back then. But what did we have? Separation between God and man. And then here comes Jesus. He tore that down. When Jesus Amen. gave his last breath, the Bible tells us that that curtain there at the Holy of Holies in the temple says that it was rent twain right down the middle. On that day, there was no separation between us and God. On that day, I got to have a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior. On that day, on that day, God drew closer to mankind through Jesus Christ. Through the dying of His Son on that cross, there now is no separation whatsoever. The Bible tells us that there's one mediator between us and God, and that's, the son, that's His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we... We can go to Him anytime we need to, anytime we want to. After Jesus, He no longer remained a distant God, but He chose to become a very personal God. I've always said this about the way I read the Old Testament and the New Testament. You, you change when you have kids. You change. Not that you become a softy. But you, you just change. And you look at the Old Testament, and God was, he, he looked like a pretty mean and cruel God sometimes when you read the Old Testament. He looked pretty harsh. He was still loving, but he looked mean. But then you get in the New Testament, 
And you see where his son Jesus Christ came to earth and where he died. That's where we see that relationship coming. We got closer. He become a personal God. He wasn't just a, a God that we prayed to like in the Old Testament, but he become a, a God that we could have a relationship with. And not, shouldn't be afraid of him. As the Father, we shouldn't be afraid of him. So no longer was there a great gap that separated me and God. He put, the Bible tells us right here, that he put his laws in my heart and, and in my mind. Then he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells within me so that God can personally guide me. That's what the Holy Spirit does for each one of us. It guides us. It didn't move toward God, or I didn't move toward God. He moved towards me. He got closer to me because we can veer off track a lot of times. I bet Ethan and Kylie never run away. Like if you're at the Johnson City Mall, they never just run away, do they? I figured you did. That's why I used you. It's like herding chickens. It's, that's what I see. Travis and Kristen at the mall trying to herd chickens. But that's just like us as children. You have the father saying, I've got to go to this. I've got to go here. We're going to go here. And you have a game plan in the car. This is where we're going to go. And you get out and they're gone. That's how it is with us and God. God has a plan for us. But we run stray sometimes. We take a left or right or we go off trail or, you know, we're hiding behind that big old bubblegum machine thing that they got over there. We're always somewhere where we shouldn't be. But God is right on track. He's right where he needs to be, and we've got to get back to him, draw back closer to him. He's not going to move away from us. We're the ones that move away from him. So don't you think that he deserves the very best out of the Christians because of that? personal relationship he has with us fourth thing last thing jesus forgiveness of my sins demands the best for me is forgiveness i could say our sins but i won't make that personal and say the forgiveness of my sins that deserves the best of me verse 17 tells us and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That ought to make a shout right there. Their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. <laughs> wow. I can think of things about people from 30 years ago that really just rubs me the wrong way. I remember my freshman year in high school in the computer lab the boy hit me in the head with a mouse. Not a rodent mouse, but with a computer mouse. I know that boy. I ended up working with him at EMS. He worked for Watauga Medics. He's a paramedic. And every time I would get in the truck with him, I would remember him hitting me in the head with that mouse. I can't let it go. Now, if y'all seen the boy, he eats tuna and chicken all day long, and I don't know how much he can press right now. But he's a big old boy, so I ain't going to mess with him. He can hit me again if he wants to. I ain't going to do nothing about it. But we remember those things. You guys go back. You could probably all remember something when you were younger. Someone has done to you, and you just can't let it go. 
Bible tells us again, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Jesus don't remember those things that we've done. Those sins that we've committed against him, we pray and say, Lord, please forgive me for this. And he says, we'll do. And then he ain't going to bring it back up. We get to heaven, we stand before him face to face. He ain't going to have a book of all the sins that you did and that he forgave you for. And he's not going to bring it back up and say, do you remember this, this, and this, 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 this? Because the Bible tells us that he just forgets those. He tosses them away, throws them in the sea. People tell us that they have forgiven our past mistakes, but every so often our mistakes, they're going to raise their ugly heads. Things that you've done 20 years ago, somebody will bring that back up. Somebody will open up that can of worms or reopen that wound. Folks might forgive you for something that you've done or said, but I know and you know they don't have the power to forget it. That's something I wish that we could do. That's a, I wish that was a power that we had where we could forget where someone's done us wrong, where they've said something or done something to us. I wish that I was more like Jesus, and I would just forget it and move on. But the flesh won't let us. The human nature in us will not let us. Ever so often, our faults will be brought up. And I'm so glad that when I confess my sins to Jesus, when I get down and pray and say, Lord, I have failed you here and here, and I've done this, I've said this, Lord, you please forgive me. And he said, yes, sir, I sure will. And don't you worry about it. I'm not going to bring it back up anymore. It seems to me that Jesus didn't have to take that extra step and not remember my sins any longer. Me, just me, it was just good enough if he would just say, I'll forgive you of your sins. Don't, wouldn't you all say the same thing? It's just good. If he would just forgive me, I'm, I'm fine with that. Lord, you don't have to take it a step further. You don't have to do anything else. Lord, just please forgive me. That's all I ask. And he says, I'll take it a step further. I'll forgive you. And then I ain't going to remember it no more. If, if Conley done something to me, and I asked for forgiveness, or I done something to him, and he asked for forgiveness, I would get that between me and him. I would forgive him, or he would forgive me. I know that. But there'd probably be a Sunday or two that Conley might sit there and look at me, and he wouldn't hear a word I said because he would remember what I did to him or said to him. Not just Conley, any of y'all. They'll remember that, and they'll bring that back up. And that will hinder your worship. That will hinder your time with you and God. That will hinder your time fellowshipping here at the church. Because he said something or done something so many years ago, and I just can't let it go. I just keep thinking about it. Here's the thing. Jesus sacrificed for me. This, this, is, this is my problem right here. He sacrificed for me. Jesus gained victory over his enemies for me. And you. I'll make it personal, though. He did it for me. Jesus drew very close to me and continues to draw even closer every day. Jesus forgets my sins, always forgets my sins, yet I'm okay with just being a mediocre Christian. That's, that's my problem. Sometimes I'm okay with just being lukewarm. Sometimes I'm okay with just being, okay, eh, just a little bit halfway there. But it ain't just me. A lot of Christians are okay 
with being just a mediocre Christian. What he done for us, what he is doing for us, demands the best of us. It demands every ounce of energy that you have to dedicate back to him. We owe him that. We can't pay him anything for what he's done for us. We can't, there's not enough offerings that we can take up to pay him, re, repay him for the debt that he paid for us. But you know what? We can make our own sacrifices. We can sacrifice time. We can sacrifice money. We can sacrifice effort, energy, whatever. We can, we can make our own sacrifices to be the best that we can be when it comes to being a Christian. We should be sold out to God because He is completely sold out to each one of us. But we're not. So I want to challenge you with this this morning before we dismiss. Don't y'all just love a good church challenge? I want to challenge you with this right here. Step up to the plate and be the best Christian that you can be. That's not a lot to ask. That ain't a lot to ask, and that ain't the preacher asking you. That's God saying, give it your best. That's God saying, give it your all, because my son gave you his all. That's not from me. That's from the Word of God. That's from the Word of God. But this is from me. Are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to accept that challenge? Challenge accepted. Step up to the plate and be all that you can be as a Christian. Not a member of Chestnut Dale, but as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, step up and be all that you can be. Let's pray. Father, this evening is a we close out, or this morning as we close out, God, I pray this morning that each one of us would accept the challenge from you to not be mediocre, but Lord, be the best that we can be, to give it our all, to represent you way that, in a way that would be pleasing and acceptable, in a way that, Lord, would reflect the love and goodness and the 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 peace and the joy that you have placed inside our hearts, that it would reflect back on that and people would see and feel what you have to offer. God, I pray this morning that if there'd be one here that's struggling with the, this challenge that you've laid before us, God, I pray that they just have a conversation with you, Lord. More than likely it's because they've got some sin in their lives that they need to ask for forgiveness from. God, I pray that they would do that. They come to you, ask for that forgiveness, get things right between you and them. And Lord, I pray that after that, that they would be able to step up to the plate and be all that they can be as a Christian. God, I thank you so much this morning for this message, and I thank you for the words in your word that have been read. And I pray, God, that it would, again, just challenge our hearts. We love you this morning. We praise you this morning. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so this evening at 2 o'clock, Willow Valley Baptist Church, Phillips Branch Road. Don't go.
but he had to cancel the baptism. The baptistry messed up yesterday or last night, and it was pumping out muddy water. And not that we can't baptize in muddy water. I've done it in the creek before, but they're afraid they're going to burn the pump up, and so they stopped. So I didn't want to tell you all that before preaching because you'd all be mad at me and you wouldn't hear a word said. So, so now y'all can go home and, and sleep a lot longer. We're going to reschedule. I don't know when it'll be, but we'll reschedule, and I'll let y'all know. I promise that. And um, Preacher Ray called this morning at quarter till seven, and I put my phone on do not disturb, so I didn't hear it ringing. But I called him back, and he was it, it broke his heart. He said, I know y'all made big plans, but I said, it'll be okay. We'll be, we'll be good. So, and it actually messed up a lot of stuff for them, more for them, because they actually were honoring him with a plaque and a bunch of stuff today as well for his ministry, and, and so that kind of threw a wrench and all that, but that didn't have anything to do with us. Just uh, So I, I appreciate everybody rolling out this morning a little bit early. Uh, now you can just go home and you get one extra hour of beauty sleep, Mike. You need it. All right. All hearts and minds clear. Anybody have anything they want to say this morning before we dismiss? I guess Clayton has said it all. <laughs> it's going to be a long ride home. Everybody, all hearts and minds clear? All right, you're dismissed. We'll see you all Wednesday. <laughs>